Every leader has problems. Increasing your leadership intensity won't fix them in a healthy way. You need an increase of clarity. From starting businesses, leading multiple nonprofit organizations, both large and small, and a full family life, Dr. Chris McAllister learned how to shift his thinking to thrive. He will help you order your internal world so you can lead your external world. Welcome to the Site Shift Lead Podcast with Chris McAllister. Welcome to the podcast. And in case you're not aware, the series that we're in right now, we are walking through our initial coaching program and uh, Brave Eric has jumped in on that. And so you don't know who Eric is yet, but you've been listening along and uh, Eric, glad you're here, man. Here we are at week five. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good. Uh, So you find yourself uh, on the other side of the country today. Um, California, right? Yes, I'm up in San Francisco right now. Nice. Very cool, man. Well, uh, it's November here in Ohio, so that means it's very dark at about 5 o'clock. And I am jealous of your space. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, so as we move from week four to week five, we finally shift out of deepening awareness of the fear and the pain and shame into the solution. But to get to that solution, we're digging deep. Like we said last week, we're getting to that 30,000 foot view. Uh, So first thing, though, just want to check in. Any moments where you look back on the last week where you became aware there was Proving, hiding, fear, shame, what was going on? Yeah. So I kind of realized over this last week that a lot of what I do is is uh, to get a response from people. Mm. Whoa. Um, in, in different areas. Like one area would be when I, when I share my, my work with people. Um, and then another area, even something that like, I, we talked about this before, how my, my big hobby is uh, skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll go out with a, a group of people or, like, one other person. I, I very rarely go out by myself because it's not as fun. But, uh, you know, if, if, if my friend didn't see me do a trick, it's like, what's the, what's the point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny because I never really thought about that because I didn't want to be that guy who is just doing things to get a rise out of somebody else. But it definitely crosses through my head all the time. Yeah. Wow, man. Way to tune into that chatter. Our brain is constantly chattering. Again, we've been conditioned, uh, evolutionarily speaking, to be like, am I delivering and do they like me? Because I want to stay in the cave and I want to get my share of the, the woolly mammoth meat. Um And it's kind of painful to see some of those things because we feel this weight of, oh, um, you know, I didn't plan on saying this one, but, uh, you know, realizing in my that for a lot of my 20s, what drove me in my work was wanting to be close to my dad. So it's just crazy how when you get insight into these things. You get past your own BS and you get to the real desires of who you are and what's happening. And then you're not, you know, you're not living for that crowd. You're starting to go, oh, I'm going to do the trick for the joy of doing it. Um, And sure, I want people to see it. That will be fun. There's nothing wrong with that. But the idea is I can do it for me first. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
What were some other places where you uh, started to get insight into that and connect those dots? Well, uh, like I said, I'm out in San Francisco for work right now. I'm here for, uh, not for my own clients, but for my day jobs client Mm -hmm. uh, project. And a lot of what I'm doing this week is uh, last minute changes before this big event that happens on Wednesday. And so I, I just feel like a little bit undervalued here, um, you know, constantly getting orders barked at me and having to do things at the flip of a, a dime, you know. Um, so I get, like, pretty resentful about that. That's been on my mind. Um, and I'm not sure if that has anything to do with, like, what we've talked about before about am I delivering, do they like me, but it's definitely when I felt angry over the last week about um, but the good news is I mentioned this to you earlier in the week, Chris, that, um, my boss, uh, finally announced to the entire company that I'm going to be leaving in December. Wow. And that went good, right? Yeah, it went really well. Everyone was sad, but they were very supportive. So my last day is in about six weeks. So five, six weeks. Whoa. How's that feel? feels really good. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah. It would be normal to have like a percentage of excitement and a percentage of fear. It could be 2% fear and then 8% excitement or some crazy mix. But what's really wild is that, you know, life organizes around when we commit ourselves with dates. We're, we're saying, now, this is going to happen here. Um, and I'm going to head towards that. And now that's where you are. Hey, I want to go back to the, uh, the, the angry or resentful, very normal to feel that way. And it is connected to those key questions of mission and community. And it's like, do they see and know what I'm doing and what they're asking of me? Um, you know, is that taken for granted? Uh, there's a crazy project we're going after and, you know, it's just part of, the second part of the project's been harder than I planned. And it's asked more of the people that are around me than I would have wanted to ask as far as an intense effort and push. And it, you know, I needed to send, you know, I wanted them to hear my voice like a text audio. Here's what I did wrong. I'm sorry. Here's what we're going to do next time. Um, because I wanted them to know that I knew what was happening. I wanted them to felt to feel seen and known and heard for who they are and where they are. Uh, and it's so, we, we all want that. And this is where we're going to be headed with week six and seven, especially learning to give yourself that gift is everything. So first we're recognizing it, which is right where you want to be right now. Um, but then giving yourself that gift of being seen, known, and heard. Because if you don't recognize it and then give yourself that gift, you walk into the meeting or the relationship or the email. It's like it's like a gun. You're cocked and ready to fire. Like, I hope they bring this up because I'm going to slam dunk that issue. Uh, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to get what I need. I'm going to get that response. I'm going to get that validation. And, um, yeah, so, so way to go recognizing that. And... That is everything. That's the starting point of all change. Uh, does that make sense, though, the connection to everything we've been talking about? Mm-hmm. Cool. Because it is, it's, it's, a, it's a mission and community question. You know, do they see what I'm doing? And uh, am I being appreciated for it? 
And then we go back to identity and say, they can't give me enough appreciation that that would actually make me the resilient person I want to be. It feels good if they give it to me. It feels bad if they don't. I'm not crushed if they don't give it. I'm not so high from them giving it to me that it's almost like a Pavlovian response. I'm conditioned now to run the hamster wheel to please them. Um, I don't even know if I, if I got recognition for what I was doing, if I would feel that good good about it because what I'm doing out here is definitely not my passion. It's not my mission. Mm. You know, I'm obviously my mission is to do a good job at my job until I leave my job. But that's not really my overall mission. doesn't really line up with that. A lot of what we're doing out here is people pleasing Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like there's a greater mission behind that, unfortunately. Gotcha. Yeah. What way to recognize that? Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's, it's just a big disconnect between like our company and the clients we work for sometimes where like there there's so many levels of communication when it comes to corporate work that all the mission and all the soul and all the good good ideas just get watered down. Whoa. Yeah, the uh, this is the phrase popping in my head. But yeah, when things the bastardization, the stripping away uh, of that essence of what we want to bring to what we do happens all the time, and uh, yeah, it's painful to see. And so you're at a place where you're wrestling through this, going, "Oh, I'm seeing the deeper, more true thing." in me and what I want to do. And, and it can be a guiding reference point for you. It's so easy yeah. to reach that point where you compromise the desire that's in you, um, which is what this week is about. It's about surfacing those desires. And until we recognize the voice of the fear and the pain and the shame so that we can learn to not let it guide us, then we can get to the truest core. This is what I want. So as you dove into the desires this week um, and you let those desires rage and you, you know, wrote it out or whatever you did to capture it, um, tell me a little bit about what that was like. Any things that were confirming or surprising for you? Um, pretty confirming. I wrote out a big list of things that I want. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I want. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, not stuff, but there's a lot of things that I want to accomplish and a lot of feelings that I want to feel. And um, it almost seems like how could I possibly have time to do all of them if I'm not focusing on just one or two of them? Yeah. How how can you get all of them? You mean like over a lifetime or like real fast? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I guess it's, it's impatience. It's like I want to like, here's one that's definitely not going to happen, uh, right away. I want to find a mate mm-hmm. and I can't like drive myself crazy trying to find that. Cause then they're never going to find me, you know? Yeah. Um, although that's not really the biggest of my worries right now. I want, you know, I want to give back to people who've helped me. Uh, I want to feel accomplished. I want to be heard and I want my words to carry weight and, all these things that I obviously can't uh, be thinking about all of them um, at a given moment because I need to focus on each one, one at a time. Yeah. 
Here's what's wild. As you do this uncovery process and you get to the things that you want the most um, and that they're a true overflow out of who you are and your identity, a lot of the other things happen on the way, if that makes sense. Right. It's like I'm securing who I am. I'm going after this mission. And then you accomplish a lot of those objectives along the way with your mission. And a clear mission builds the community. You start to accomplish the community objectives. Uh, and so not to say it so callously is objective, but the idea is that, yeah, you, you want to be with somebody. Uh, so as you go after your mission, you're around more and more people like you who are getting to the edge of their abilities, who are putting themselves out there, who want to do work that they feel good about creatively. And then you look around and say, okay, well, who's around me? Hey, I want to get to know this person. Um, really, really trippy how that works that way. Because that security in who you are opens up more potential for relationship because you're not self-sabotaging and pushing away. Um, yeah, but it is a little bit like, oh my gosh, especially with our mentality today, which is like the bucket list mentality. Have I really lived my life if I don't get all these bucket list items done? And you don't know the things that are going to happen in life. I mean, you don't know how relationships might change. You don't know how the people that you may commit to uh, end up changing. And that may change a chunk of what's on your list. But you keep on coming back to this idea of, as I pull it all back, the chief desire that I want is in my identity. The other desires, plural, mission and community, will come out of that and can change as they need to. I'm going to keep getting what I need in my identity. And then the desires for mission and community will keep overflowing out of that as they change. Um, I'm getting the core thing that I need. You know, so for me, like, we have a crazy thing we're going to try to do this month. Uh, I've been really excited about it, working hard towards it. And it's, it's a bucket list item, if you will, in regards to mission. However, I have no idea how it's going to go. Um, so if I can get what I need in my identity, the chief desire, singular, which is I have worth regardless of if I get this done or not or how it goes, then I can be happy regardless of the circumstance and go after it in an ambitious way, but not like suffocating under perfectionism. It has to go this way for me to be happy. Um, and I'm, because I'm not like rigidly attached to that result, next month there's another adventure that will call out to me and we'll figure out what that is. But I don't go after that adventure in mission or community, desires, plural, to give me what I need in my identity because it'll never deliver. Does that make sense, that way of framing things? Yeah, definitely does. So, so, so what you're saying is like a lot, a lot of these things on my list could be um, not in my, not like my true desire coming from my identity. Some of it could be like secondary desires that will come. That's it. That's it. And, and the reason that you dive into this exercise the way you did that is so helpful and powerful is you're not filtering. You're not judging. You're not going, well, I shouldn't want this. Um, you know, what's wrong with me that I, w this feels shallow. Um, this feels immature to want this. Well, so what? It's your thing, you know, and it could be something really fun for you. I mean, I could tell you some of my desires 
that are just crazy, what people would say are stupid or shallow. And it doesn't matter. I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to first get the desire that I need for my identity. And I'm going to fulfill those things that I'm really passionate about in mission and community. But a lot of those other things can happen too. They're just bonus. They're like the extras that make life fun. Um, And yeah, I don't have to do that. Now, as you explore these, um, I'll tell you what, you mind sharing some of the, uh, maybe what people would say would be shallow or immature, some of the fun ones. I'll share some too if you do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I definitely want to travel like all over the world. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit selfish. Uh, I want to just have freedom. Like I want to have the freedom to travel. Um, I want to like my brother and I have been saving up for a while to get a boat. We, that's like a big goal of ours. Cause when we were kids, we loved like water skiing, but we just never had our own boat. Uh, so I want to have like a boat and a lake house and be able to like live in two places at once. So one in the city and one at the lake house. That's like pretty ideal for me. Is that pretty much what you're asking? Like those kinds of desires? (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's what I would say. Those will grow you like crazy. Those are awesome. Um, And, you know, the lake house, carving out space for rest and time, traveling, expanding who you are, confirming the reality that you haven't surveyed the world. Uh, Yeah. For me, I'm tracking with you on those. I have some crazy ones. I want to, I want to trail run like until the end. I want to stay fit like that. Um, you know, different wilderness things that I want to accomplish. And I've got some crazy dreams there. I was also talking about silly things like, uh, as the business grows and develops, you know, for me adding in little fun things, uh, like a Flaviar subscription. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like a, uh, it's like a bourbon or whiskey subscription delivery system. And you get all these different samples. I know it sounds crazy. Uh, yeah, even like um, I, I want to minimize my decision-making in regards to clothing. Like set up a system that is on autoplay, but I don't have to think about it, and it's just done. Uh, I, I could go through all kinds of examples. There is no filtering or judging that has to happen. Um, listeners to this podcast know that there's so many times I've shared crazy vulnerable things because I don't have to judge the desires. I just get underneath them. So as you went through this process and you looked at some of yours, were there any, and I'll, I can share some too, were there any that were like, whoa, that feels, you know, a little dark and you don't have to share it specifically if you don't want to, or why would I want that? It may have troubled you that that was there. Not really. Maybe I was filtering it, but I, I couldn't get in, into that or I, I didn't really have anything that was really dark. No worries. Sometimes there is for people. Sometimes there isn't, you know, I would say oftentimes there is. Um, and what I do in that moment is just help people through this process, whatever they share with me, help them understand how to get underneath it. Usually what's underneath it is a longing for the identity desire. It's a longing for connection, to not be alone, to be vulnerable without being hurt. Um, and when we learn to see it that way, then we don't stuff suppress and go, oh, it's so horrible. I thought that, um, you know, and sometimes we just have fleeting thoughts pass through our mind. And definitely 
the, you know, when you can look at your thoughts like a detached observer and go, oh, that's not really true to who I am. I don't want that. Um, what do I want that's underneath that? You then, you know, you don't beat yourself up and you get to the deeper part of what's happening in that moment. So I always tell people that, you know, that Freud came along and was like, everything you think is a reflection of who you are. Um, and people would get stuck in these analytical cycles for years and beat themselves up. Um, and then the next idea came along that was, you know, hey, let's talk your way through these thoughts and analyze it. Um, what's called cognitive behavioral therapy. And now what people are finding that really delivers the most impact is, is a word that's called mindfulness. Um, and this is really ancient, right? This has been practiced across different civilizations for thousands of years. And you even have something like Harvard Business Review coming out, you know, saying you, you don't have the option of training your team in mindfulness. This is critical for today's world. And it's a returning, it's not a discovery of anything new. It's the same thing I say about sight shift. It's just a rediscovery of what's true. You're going back to your thoughts and saying, you know what, this one just passes through me. This isn't who I am. Or, hey, I want to pay attention to this. Even if it's dark or fleeting or concerning, I want to get underneath it. Why is this here? How is this distracting me? How is this an indication or an invitation of where I am and what's next? And because people don't do that, uh, they're not present with themselves, then they end up being blindly driven by it. So you'll never grow beyond your need to do a desire check. And am I getting the need for my identity met, the chief desire singular? Because if I am, I won't BS myself on what I want mission community desires. Um, and as we move forward, we'll get really laser clear on how to get your need met in your identity and then what that means for your mission and community. But this is just really exploratory. And as you explore it, then we shift into that 30,000 foot view. And that was this crazy exercise that I asked you to complete on this week, which is to actually think about your funeral. What was that like for you? It's pretty solemn. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, try to really put myself there. Definitely not a, a happy moment. Yeah. Well, hopefully it would be, right? Because yeah. funerals, funerals are supposed to be like celebration. But, uh, yeah, I thought of um, a family member, a friend, and a coworker, and, like, what they would say and what I would want them to say. Um, and the main things that I identified were, uh, like, that Eric... Eric always like cared and he listened. So he was empath like empathetic was the adjective that I got. Mm. And then the other one was just fun. Like Eric was fun to be around and he always knew how to like make light of a difficult situation. Um, and I like thought about some other ones. I was a little bit influenced by what you said about how you, what you wanted to uh, be, you know, mm. viewed as at your funeral. I don't know. Mm. Because it's a weird exercise. <laughs> yeah. Well, great job already the way that you frame that in who you are being. Sometimes people get a little confused still and still do a, f uh, a framework or character qualities or things that are more around performance and doing. And this is about remembering them, remembering who we were. And what's weird is, you know, for mine... Like one of them, the one on being present, 
uh, I wrote this because a lot of this was just reflecting back on things that had helped me over the years. Uh, I wrote wrote it like 10 years ago. Um, and I, my brain feels like it happened. It, it, it didn't because, you know, I was making it up and writing these stories. But my brain's organized around, or organized around it. So, like, when I am in that place, whether it's with family or friends or coworkers, the chief desire that I have is where I've written these stories. My brain feels like it's happened, and then that focus or character comes out of who I am. It is a complete head trip. Um, so I am... I'm returning back to the emotion of it consistently uh, and well done on doing that for yourself. As you walked through that, were you able to, you, f- you feel like flesh it out in the story form, something that would be compelling to you? You mean like each person telling a story? Well, like they're looking at that picture and then you're creating a story out of that picture they're remembering. Yeah, I didn't create like a specific story, but I can kind of see it. In my head. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So if you respond to writing things out and if you respond to capturing it that way, uh, going back and writing it out, even in a short story, just like really tight and quick, make it something that feels really visceral to you. It's emotionalizing it. The more your brain feels it, the more your brain wires around it. Um, and then it's, yeah, something you go back to. So it's like as if my brother was at my funeral and he told a story. Like, that's the story you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. So they're standing at that memory board looking at the pictures, and your brother's like, oh, that's a picture from when Eric and I blank. Or that's when a picture from when he did this, and this reminds me of who he is. Um, You know, nobody wants somebody to get up and just focus on what they did. They want to focus on who they were to them. Bam. Um... Yeah, so I think if you go back and emotionalize that as fully as possible, it'll go deeper. Okay. Any thoughts or questions on that? Uh, no, I think it makes sense. It's just like it's like time is the magic ingredient, right? Like, like you said, their brain kind of organizes around those stories. Yeah. So over time, you can accomplish those. And, and feel like who you are and feel like secure in that. Yeah, crazy enough. Um, and one of the key essential skills of life and leadership is that knowing when to stop and quit something, when to start something new, uh, whether it's relationships or whether it's mission. You know, the, another way of wording this is when do I pivot and when do I persevere? When do I make a change and when do I keep going? And the guiding reference for you in your desires of mission and community, you know, this is how you stay in growth mode. When you learn those and it's based on a secure identity, then you've got a guiding point. And that's what happens for these. This is a guiding point, when to pivot, when to persevere. Um, And so it's your North Star to say it that way. It's a reference point. It's like, that's where I'm headed. I don't know exactly the twists and turns that are going to happen, but I'm, I'm present, engaged, and future-focused, and this is Chris speaking. This is my values, to be present, generous, adventurous. Uh, when in doubt, that's what I go back to, and the rest is bonus. The rest is just extra. 
Awesome, ma'am. Any other questions on week five, thoughts, concerns? And I want to set up a little bit of week six. Well, something you just said there kind of struck a chord with me. Okay, let's talk about it. And I'm trying to remember it. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. You basically said, like, when you're making business decisions, you have that compass of those three things, like who you are. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I'm realizing that in the past, I've like made business decisions based on business, based on how business works, how you can, you know, because that's what it's about. It's like how you can use the market and like use people's essentially like take advantage of the way people act and where they are, not in a in a mischievous way, hopefully. But um, you know, when you make business decisions, it's not. I don't feel like it's always coming out of who you are, or I don't feel like they come out of who I am. I feel like a lot of people like me tend to sometimes look for shortcuts, look for tricks, look for ways to improve the business and sort of not doing the, the heavy lifting first. Does it make sense? Yeah, man. Well connected. That's awesome. That's exactly what we're talking about. A North star that guides you, keeps you focused on the long term. You're playing for, it's the long play, not the short play. The short play matters, you know. Um, I mean, realistically for me, running into this just as my full-time focus this last year, um, cash flow matters. But how do I make decisions that build the foundation secure for what I need to keep doing what I love doing but also do it in a way that keeps that long vision in view. And that's that's what I do. That's how I filter the decisions. And I don't always do it perfectly, but when I mess up, I'm a, it's way quicker for me to figure out what happened, how I got off track, and then what it looks like to get back on track. Um, oh, my gosh. I don't teach you that in school. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah, isn't that wild? What a crazy idea that would be. Um because, yeah, so much about business making and decision making breaks down uh, because it's training you to look at the immediate short term. And we'll do a week on decision making in this week nine. But for now, for you to connect that dot right on the money, that's what I'm hoping for. This becomes a guiding reference for you. So spot on, man. Any other thoughts or questions on that? No, that's it. Good. Cool, cool. Um well, as you head into week six, so now we've done 30,000-foot solution week five. I always like to spend a little bit extra time setting up week six. Week six is where we start actively working on our internal world when we feel insecure. And so I think I say a little bit of this in the podcast, but I can't remember how much I go into in depth with it. And so a little setup will go a long way. Um, you have this reality that we live in that we're, we continually are figuring out. So you got Newton that goes, hey, this is how gravity works, and we need Isaac Newton to build a bridge. Einstein comes along and says, actually, it doesn't always work that way. And the idea is, and I had to read a way too thick of a book to even understand this, that um, the speed of light is a constant, and gravity bends to keep the speed of light constant. And so... Einstein had to figure that out so that we can put a satellite into orbit. In other words, Einstein had to imagine 
beyond the space-time continuum that he knew. So Stephen Hawking, another brilliant physicist, theoretical physicist, is like, hey, we could say it this way. Imaginary time is just as real as time. We have to escape the space-time continuum as we know it to have these breakthroughs. Now, before I lose you, we are in the deep end of the pool, and it is faux-show-trippy, and I get that. Your brain needs a more powerful experience to wire around so that you can continually learn to live out of a secure identity. And week seven, we're going to physical stimuli make that practical. Week six, we imagine it. So I'm going to walk you through how to tap into a place you've been before internally. You imagine it, a place you want to go, um, a place you'd like to go where you don't feel the fear, the shame, or the pain. Um, and we're going to learn to tap into this place. So I'll go through this in depth in the, in the podcast and the email, but I just want to give a little bit of a setup to teach you what we're doing. Um, you have all these apps right now, like Headspace, which is about meditation. I think LinkedIn founder just invested millions into it. Um, this is a way to tap into the benefits of that as efficiently as possible um, and intensely as possible too because, again, your brain experiences it so it wires around it. You probably have more questions than answers, and that is normal, but I at least want to set it up a little bit as you get just ready to transition into that. Any just immediate thoughts or questions to that? No, I'll keep going. I'm, I'm, I like where you're going with it. I like Headspace, too. I've been using that for a little while. Yeah. Okay. So if you're already yeah. developing that, then what's great is you'll see the benefit of this um, this internal focus that you're going to develop. You, de- you developing your ability to internally focus, which is what you're doing with Headspace, everything else will flow out of that. Um, so for me right now, and it changes, and I talk about this, I think, in the podcast, you know, I've been doing this for years now and lots of different, a repertoire of places I draw on, but it's a dynamic thing for me. So when I wake up this morning, you know, what I'm doing in my head space, and that's what week six is about. It's about building an identity space. I have a space that I go in my mind's eye where my worth doesn't equal my performance. I'm just worthy just for being alive. I unzip this tent, I step out, there's a fire, there's a naturally occurring hot spring. It's a vista in the Northwest Pacific Northwest, there's a river, evergreens. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about it all, but that's where I order my internal world. And um, I'll walk you through in depth how to do that there. So it's actually a place. Yeah, I mean, mine's made (laughs) up because it's like some Indiana corn at the bottom of the hill, Pacific Northwest. It's like an amalgamation, but sometimes it's actual places. I mean, for a while before that, it was a rock that I hike up t- to the top of, uh, sometimes when I'm trail running. Um, different places that allow you to build that trigger. Uh, it's crazy how effective this is. I mean, they had a journal of physiology uh, recently release the first documented proof of athletes that were able to work out their muscles while it was in a cast to keep the muscle from atrophying. Um, your mind is so powerful, and we want to train it. 
Um, and this isn't about hype and saying you're going to hype yourself into feeling a certain way. It's just about training your awareness and your focus. So an adventure awaits for sure. <laughs> it feels kind of hypey to me. Yeah. It sounds that way. Like you're, Go ahead. Yeah. Like you're imagining yourself in this perfect place and then you try to bring that to, you know, that feeling of security elsewhere. But when that's not really the place that you're in and that's not the reality that we're, I mean, it can be if, in, internally, right? Is that how you're getting at? Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. Exactly. This what, what keeps it from being hypey is two things. One, it's not a space where you imagine everything perfect in your mission and community because it isn't and never will be. Right. Uh, so if every Olympic athlete that could visualize winning gold won gold, you know, everybody would visualize. Uh, you, you can't visualize perfection in mission and community. You, can, you can't out-imagine how good it can be in regards to your identity that you can build an interior world to get what you need anytime you need it. Um, and, yeah, I'll teach you strategies in that on, on how to do just that so that it's a relaxing your way into who you are, not a hyping your way into who you want to be. Yeah, makes sense. So lots to chew on. Awesome. Any thoughts or questions for next week? No, that's good, man. Excited. Way to keep connecting the dots and diving in. Thanks for being here and have an excellent rest of the day, buddy. Yeah, see ya. Peace, ma'am. This has been The Sight Shift, lead podcast with Chris McAllister. Thank you for listening.